0: Maureen, Part Six by Ella Wheeler Wilcox, read for the by Marianne. There was a week of bustle and of hurry, a stately home echoed to voices sweet, calling, replying, and to tripping feet of busy bridesmaids running to and fro with all that girlish fluttering and flurry preceding such occasions. Helen's room was like a lily garden all in bloom, decked with the dainty robes of her trousseau. My robe was fashioned by swift, skillful hands, a thing of beauty, elegant and rich, a mystery of loopings, puffs, and bands. And as I watched it growing, stitch by stitch, I felt as one might feel who should behold with vision trance-like where his body lay in deathly slumber, simulating clay, his grave cloth sewed together, fold on fold. I lived with every nerve upon the strain, as men go into battle and the pain that more and more to my sad heart revealed grew ghastly with its horrors was concealed from mortal eyes by superhuman power that god bestowed upon me hour by hour what night the old year gave unto the new the key of human happiness and woe the pointed stars upon their field of blue shone white and perfect or a world below of snow-clad beauty all the trees were dressed in gleaming garments decked with diadems each seeming like a bridal-bidden guest coming o'erladen with a gift of gems the bustle of the dressing-room the sound of eager voices in discourse the clang of sweet bells jangled thud of steel-clad feet that beat swift music on the frozen ground all blent together in my brain and rang a medley of strange noises incomplete and full of discords then out on the night streamed from the open vestibule a light that lit the velvet blossoms which we trod with all the hues of those that deck the sod the grand cathedral windows were ablaze with gorgeous colors through a sea of bloom up the long aisle to join the waiting groom the bridal cortege passed as some lost soul might surge on with the curious crowd to gaze upon its coffined body so i went with that glad festal throng the organ sent great waves of medley along the air that broke and fell in liquid drops like spray on happy hearts that listened but to me it sounded faintly as if miles away a troubled spirit, sitting in despair beside the sad and ever-moaning sea, gave utterance to sighing sounds of dole. We paused before the altar. Framed in flowers, the white-robed man of God stood forth. I heard the solemn service open. Through long hours I seemed to stand and listen, while each word fell on my ear as falls the sound of clay upon the coffin of the worshipped dead. THE STATELY FATHER GAVE THE BRIDE AWAY, THE BRIDEGROOM CIRCLED WITH A GOLDEN BAND THE taper FINGER OF HER DAINTY HAND, THE LAST IMPOSING, BINDING WORDS WERE SAID, WHAT GOD HAS JOINED LET NO MAN PUT ASUNDER, AND ALL MY STRIFE WITH SELF WAS AT AN END, MY LOVER WAS THE HUSBAND OF MY FRIEND. HOW STRANGELY, IN SOME AWFUL HOUR OF PAIN, EXTERNAL TRIFLES WITH OUR SORROWS BLEND, i never hear the mighty organ's thunder i never catch the scent of heliotrope nor see stained windows all ablaze with light without that dizzy whirling of the brain and all the ghastly feelings of that night when my sick heart relinquished love and hope the pain we feel so keenly may depart and e'en its memories cease to haunt the heart but some slight thing a perfume or a sound will probe the closed recesses of the wound, and for a moment bring the old-time smart. Congratulations, kisses, tears, and smiles, good-byes and farewells given, then across the snowy waste of weary, wintry miles, back to my girlhood's home, where, through each room, forevermore pale phantoms of delight should aimless wander, always in my sight pointing with ghostly fingers to the tomb wet with the tears of living pain and loss the sleepless nights of watching and of care followed by that one week of keenest pain taxing my weakened system and my brain brought on a lingering illness day by day in that strange apathetic state i lay of mental and of physical despair i had no pain no fever, and no chill, but lay without ambition, strength, or will, knowing no wish for anything but rest, which seemed, of all God's store of gifts, the best. Physicians came and shook their heads and sighed, and to their score of questions I replied, with but one languid answer, o'er and o'er, I am so weary, weary, nothing more i slept and dreamed i was some feathered thing flying through space with ever-arching wing seeking a ship called rest all snowy white that sailed and sailed before me just in sight but always one unchanging distance kept and woke more weary than before i slept i slept and dreamed i ran to win a prize a hand from heaven held down before my eyes all eagerness i sought it it was gone but shone in all its beauty farther on i ran and ran and ran in eager quest of that great prize whereon was written rest which ever just beyond my reach did gleam and wakened doubly weary with my dream i dreamed i was a crystal drop of rain that saw a snow-white lily on the plain and left the cloud to nestle in her breast. I fell and fell, but never more found rest. I fell and fell, but found no stopping place, Through leagues and leagues of never-ending space, While space, illimitable, stretched before. All of these dreams but wearied me more. Familiar voices sounded in my room, Aunt Ruth's and Roy's and Helen's, but they seemed a part of some strange fancy I had dreamed, And now remembered dimly. Wrapped in gloom, my mind o'ertaxed, Had lost hold of time at last, Ignored its future and forgot its past, And groped along the present as a light, Carried, uncovered, through the fogs of night, Will flicker faintly. But I felt at length, when March winds Brought vague rumors of the spring, a certain sense of restlessness with rest. My aching frame was weary of repose And wanted action. Then slow creeping strength came back With memory, hand in hand, To bring and lay upon my sore and bleeding breast Grim-visaged recollections, a thorny rose. I gained and failed. One day could ride and walk, The next would find me prostrate while a flock of ghostly thoughts, like phantom's birds, would flit about the chambers of my heart, or sit, pale spectres of the past, with folded wings, perched, silently, upon the voiceless strings that once resounded to hope's happy lays. So passed the ever-changing April days. When May came, lightsome-footed, o'er the lee, accompanied by kind Aunt Ruth and Roy, I bade farewell to home with secret joy, And turned my wan face eastward to the sea. Roy planned our route of travel, For all lands were one to him, Or Egypt's burning sands, Or Alps of Switzerland, Or stately Rome, All were familiar as the fields of home. There was a year of wandering to and fro, Like restless spirits scaling mountain heights, dwelling among the countless rare delights of lands historic turning dusty pages stamped with the tragedies of mighty ages gazing upon the scenes of bloody acts of kings long buried bare unvarnished facts surpassing wildest fictions of the brain rubbing against all people high and low and by this contact feeling self to grow smaller and less important and the vein of human kindness deeper seeing god unto the humble delver of the sod and to the ruling monarch on the throne has given hope ambition joy and pain and that all hearts have feelings like our own there is no school that disciplines the mind and broadens thought like contact with mankind the college prisoned graybeard who has burned the midnight lamp and book-bound knowledge learned till sciences or classics hold no lore he has not conned and studied o'er and o'er is but a babe in wisdom when compared with some unlettered wanderer who has shared the hospitalities of every land felt touch of brother in each proffered hand made man his study and the world his college and gained this grand epitome of knowledge each human being has a heart and soul and self is but an atom of the whole i hold he is best learned and most wise who best and most can love and sympathize book wisdom makes us vain and self-contained our banded minds go round in little grooves but constant friction with the world removes these iron foes to freedom and we rise to grander heights and all untrammelled find a better atmosphere and clearer skies and through its broadened realm, no longer chained, Thought travels freely, leaving self behind. Where'er we chanced to wander or to roam, Glad letters came from Helen, happy things, Like little birds that followed on swift wings, Bringing their tender messages from home. Her days were poems, beautiful, complete, The rhythm perfect and the burden sweet. She was so happy, happy and so blessed my heart had found contentment in that year with health restored my life seemed full of cheer the heart of youth turns ever to the light sorrow and gloom may curtain it like night but in its very anguish and unrest it beats and tears the pall-like folds away and finds again the sunlight of the day and yet despite the changes without measure despite sight seeing round on round of pleasure despite new friends new suitors still my heart was conscious of a something lacking where love once had dwelt and afterward despair now love was buried and despair had flown before the healthful zephyrs that had blown from heights serene and lofty and the place where both had dwelt was empty voiceless space and so I took my long-loved study, art, the dreary vacuum in my life to fill, and worked and labored with a right good will. Aunt Ruth and I took rooms in Rome, while Roy lingered in Scotland with his new-found joy. A dainty little lassie, Grace Kildare, had snared him with her flossy flaxen hair, and made him captive— we were thrown, by chance, in contact with her people while in France the previous season. She was wholly sweet, and fair and gentle, so naive, and yet so womanly. She was at once the pet of all our party, and, ere many days, won by her fresh face, her artless ways, Roy fell a helpless captive at her feet. Her home was in the highlands, and she came of good old stock, of fair, untarnished fame. Through all these months Roy had been true as steel, and by his every action made me feel he was my friend and brother, and no more. The same big-souled and trusty friend of yore. Yet in my secret heart I wished I knew whether the love he felt one time was dead, or only hidden, for my sake, from view. So when he came to me one day and said, the velvet blackness of his eyes ashine with light of love and triumph cousin mine congratulate me she whom i adore has pledged to me the promise of her hand her heart i have already i was glad with double gladness for it freed my mind of fear that he in secret might be sad from march till june had left her moons behind and merged her rose-red beauty in july there was no message from my native land. Then came a few brief lines, by Vivian penned. Death has been near to Helen, but passed by. The danger was now over. God was kind. The mother and the child were both alive. No other child was ever known to thrive as throve this one, nurse had been heard to say. The infant was a wonder every way, and... At command of Helen, he would send a lock of baby's golden hair to me. And did I, on my honor, ever see such hair before? Helen would write ere long. She gained quite slowly, but would soon be strong, stronger than ever, so the doctors said. I took the tiny ringlet, golden, fair. Mayhap his hand had severed from the head of his own child, and pressed it to my cheek and to my lips and kissed it o'er and o'er all my maternal instincts seemed to rise and clamour for their rights while my wet eyes rained tears upon the silken tress of hair the woman struggled with her heart before it was the mother in me now did speak moaning like rachel that her babies were not and crying out against her barren lot once i bemoaned the long and lonely years that stretched before me dark with love's eclipse and thought how my unmated heart would miss the shelter of a broad and manly breast the strong bold arm the tender clinging kiss and all pure love's possessions manifold but now i wept a flood of bitter tears thinking of little heads of shining gold that would not on my bosom sink to rest of little hands that would not touch my cheek of little lisping voices and sweet lips that never in my listening ear would speak the blessed name of mother oh in woman how mighty is the love of offspring Ere unto her wandering untaught mind unfolds the mystery that is half divine half human of life and birth the love of unborn souls within her and the mother yearning creeps through her warm heart and stirs its hidden deeps and grows and strengthens with each riper year. As storms may gather in a placid sky and spend their fury and then pass away, leaving again the blue of cloudless day, e'en so the tempest of my grief passed by, "'Twas weak to mourn for what I had resigned with the deliberate purpose of my mind to my sweet friend." relinquishing my love i gave my dearest hope of joy to her if god from out his boundless door above had chosen added blessings to confer i would rejoice for her sake not repine that the immortal treasures were not mine better my lonely sorrow than to know my selfish joy had been another's woe better my grief and my strength to control than the despair of her frail bodied soul Better to go on, loveless to the end, Than wear love's rose, Whose thorn had slain my friend. Work is the salve that heals the wounded heart. With will most resolute I set my aim To enter on the weary race for fame, And if I fail to climb the dizzy height, To reach some point of excellence in art, E'en as the maker held earth incomplete Till man was formed and placed upon the sod, the perfect living image of his god all landscape scenes were lacking in my sight wherein the human figure had no part in that all lines of symmetry did meet all hues of beauty mingle so i brought enthusiasm in abundance thought much study and some talent day by day to help me in my efforts to portray the wondrous power majesty and grace stamped on some form or looking from some face this was to be my specialty to take human emotion for my theme and make the unassisted form divine express anger or sorrow pleasure pain distress and thus to build fame's monument above the grave of my departed hope and love this is not genius genius spreads its wings and soars beyond itself or selfish things talent has need of stepping-stones some cross some cheated purpose some great pain or loss must lay the groundwork and arouse ambition before it labours onward to fruition but as the lark from beds of bloom will rise and sail and sing among the very skies still mounting nearer and nearer to the light impelled alone by love of upward flight so genius soars it does not need to climb Upon God-given wings, to heights sublime. Some sportsman's shot, grazing the singer's throat, Some venomous assault of birds of prey, May speed its flight toward the realm of day, And tinge with triumph every liquid note. So deathless genius mounts but higher yet, When strife and envy think to slay or fret. There is no balking genius, only death can silence it, or hinder while there is a breath or sense of feeling it will spurn the sod and lift itself to glory and to god the acorn sprouted weeds nor flowers can choke the certain growth of the upreaching oak talent was mine not genius and my mind seemed bound by chains and would not leave behind its selfish love and sorrow did i strive to picture some emotion Lo, his eyes, of emerald beauty, dark as ocean dies, Looked from the canvas, and my buried pain rose from its grave And stood by me alive. Whate'er my subject, in some hue or line, The glorious beauty of his face would shine. So for a time my labor seemed in vain, Since it but freshened and made keener yet The grief my heart was striving to forget. While in his form all strength and magnitude With grace and supple sinews were entwined, While in his face all beauties were combined Of perfect features, intellect, and truth, With all that fine, rich coloring of youth, How could my brush portray aught good or fair Wherein no fatal likeness should intrude Of him my soul had worshipped? But at last, setting a watch upon my unwise heart, that thus would mix its sorrow with my art, I resolutely shut away the past and made the toilsome present passing bright with dreams of what was hidden from my sight in the far-distant future, when the soil should yield me golden fruit for all my toil, and part six. This recording is in the public domain.